0: He was probably the most famous architect in American history. But what about his chaotic personal life, including a mass murder at his home? I'm Patti Steele. Frank Lloyd Wright. One hot mess. Next on The Backstory. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, if we're being honest, we all have stuff in our lives that drive us crazy. Maybe it's a job, a difficult relationship, or love interest. Or honestly, it can just be the state of this crazy world we live in. For me, it's all three of those things at times. A lot of times it's not a big deal, but in the moment, it sure feels like it is, right? So how do you come to terms with those stressors and not let the negativity weigh you down? For me, therapy has always been a haven where I can open up, talk about what's eating at me, and trust that this person will be honest, understanding, and discreet. Therapy isn't just for folks who've had major trauma. It's for you and me so we can be at peace and become the best version of ourselves. When I connected with a terrific therapist at BetterHelp, she asked some on-point questions, and I actually heard myself working through some of the issues I'd kept bottled up. What a relief. no doubt about it. Frank Lloyd Wright was a game-changing architect, I don't know, 100 years ago or so. But in a moment, I'm going to tell you why he was one hot mess. The guy built spectacular buildings like the kind of tornado-shaped Guggenheim Museum in New York City, and maybe, at least in my mind, the most beautiful early modern home ever called Falling Water, built in a forest over a huge waterfall in Pennsylvania. I'm telling you, you look at it, and you just want to exhale. Oh, it's incredible. But Frank has a crazy backstory and has nothing to do with architecture and everything to do with his libido. It's about Frank's multiple affairs, including one with a married woman and the mass murders that followed. Yeah, Frank is an icon, but he's an icon who's also the ultimate narcissist. And he defines the term hot mess. Okay, it's 1903. He's a young architect. He's in Oak Park, Illinois, which is right near Chicago. He's married. He has six kids at that point. When his wife brings him a client who wants him to build a house, Frank takes the job. And he gets to know the wife really well. Her name is Mema. They become totally obsessed with each other. A few years go by and the passion only gets more intense. So intense that they both feel like the hell with the spouses and the kids. They just want one thing and that is to be together. Now, the problem is, it's the early 1900s. Nobody but nobody leaves their family for somebody else. But that's what they do. Frank leaves his wife and all those little kitties, and Maima leaves her husband and two toddlers. Of course, Frank's business begins to dry up. So they decide they gotta get out of town. They meet up in New York City and hop a ship to Europe. Once there, Mema works for a Swedish feminist interpreting her books on female sexuality. And Frank, meantime, takes a really deep dive into his passion for Japanese art and architecture, which, by the way, actually helps evolve his exquisite style. But then after a few years, he and Mema wanna head back to America. He'd like to reestablish his career. But Chicago is out due to their sketchy reputation, so they head to Frank's hometown, Spring Green, Wisconsin and he builds him an awesome house. He calls it Taliesin. But the locals there aren't thrilled either. They call it his love cottage. Who cares, says Frank. In fact, he says, laws and rules are made for the average. Two women are necessary for a man of artistic mind, one to be the mother of his children and the other to be his inspiration and soulmate. What a guy wonder how he'd feel if Mama thought the same thing and needed more than one man. Anyway, it's a beautiful life for a few years. Finally, Frank gets a major job to build a massive 360,000 square foot entertainment venue in Chicago. It was called Midway Gardens, and it's really spectacularly beautiful. It's a triumph for him, but it means he spends a lot of time away from home. Now it's August of 1914. Frank's in Chicago, Mema up in Spring Green, and her two kids are there spending the summer with her. Working at the house, there's a husband and wife, Gertrude and Julian. Okay, it's lunchtime. Mema and the kids are out on the porch, and six of Frank's students and workers are in the dining room. Julian serves the meal in the dining room, and then proceeds to lock all the doors and pours gasoline around the exterior of the dining room, inside and out of the house. Clearly nuts, he heads to the porch with a hatchet, flailing away. He slaughters Mama and the children, actually cleaving Mama's head in two, vertically, right down the middle. Eek, God! Next, he lights the dining room on fire. Those inside try desperately to get out, but remember, the doors are locked. Then they try to jump out the windows, but outside is Julian with the hatchet. Chopping away, he kills three of them. The others head a different way and are burned, one of them dying a day later. So in all, seven are dead, only two survive. There's a frantic phone call to Frank in Chicago. He's in total shock. He takes the first train north and, ironically, runs into Mema's ex-husband, also headed north, to collect the bodies of his dead children. And they share a private compartment. Once in Spring Green, Frank buries Mema in a plain pine box in his family cemetery in an unmarked grave. He actually throws the dirt into the grave with his bare hands. No one really knows why Julian killed all those people, because he died weeks later. Despite the tragedy, Frank rebuilds the house, saying in his autobiography, anguish would not leave Taliesin until renewal began. Talk about renewal. While he says in his bio that he grieved Mama’s loss for the rest of his life, within weeks, we're talking weeks, not huh, months, Frank had already fallen in love again, and over the course of the next decade or so, he married two more times. Here's what's ironic about his life. He literally introduced into architecture this sense of serenity and earthy beauty, raw wood, stone, glass, but his life was red hot and chaotic. Do you think he was searching through his art for the piece he could never find in his personal life? I'm Patty Steele. The Backstory is a production of iHeart Media and Steel Trap Productions. Our producer is Doug Fraser. Our executive producer is Steve Goldstein of Amplify Media. We're out with new episodes twice a week. Thanks for listening to The Backstory, the pieces of history you didn't know you needed to know.